Hello, everyone. Hi, Eddie. Hi. Hello, Eddie. So, um, I know a lot of you are used to uh, contact back, and uh, if you are, you see that there is a very familiar face not here for that. Uh, and this panel is actually, since that panel is so associated with him, we thought that this would be the perfect time and place to actually do a John Rogers memorial panel. Um, he is someone that is clearly very special to all of us here on the dais and the stage. And uh, this, even if you don't know it, he was someone that's really special to all of you too because of his love and compassion for Comic-Con and all of you. Um, sorry. This is going to be a tough panel for many of us up here, as, as well as probably for many of you out there. So I'll just kind of throw it to the question to start. Um, if uh, all of you could introduce yourselves and um, talk about your relationship with John. Uh, David Clancy, Chief Communications and Strategy Officer, and, uh, I, and uh, I started volunteering the year before he became president. And uh, the, the, the president, the first person I worked with was great. He was fantastic. I think uh, I think Mark, you may have been vice president, one of the vice presidents or something. Yeah. And then uh, the next year, John became president, and my relationship with John was very interactive. He was very, very hands-on, and that continued up until uh, until the end. My name is Janet Tate, and I'm John's wife. And I also have worked on Comic Con from about 1980 to the mid 90s. Thank you. Um, and, and beyond that, to a much lesser degree. Uh, I first met John in 1980 when I worked for him in the films department. Like many of us, I got into this from running a, a 60 millimeter projector. And um, I worked for John the next year as an um, um, assistant to the technical leader, which was John. And I thought he was a pretty nice guy. And then when I came back from college in 1986 and started running, I think, I don't know if I was still running films or running programs at that time, started dating him. And we were together ever since then for 32 years. And um, I loved him very much. And I do want to mention that his sister Vivian and brother-in-law Al are also here. I'm Robin Donless. I also worked with in the films department with John in the early 80s. Um, when John became president, he, he brought me on as secretary for that year. And when we went into the multiple vice president's position, I was the secretary for two years, I became one of the VPs. Then I worked closely with John once I became events VP for many, many, many years. And when... When John passed away in November, um, I stepped in as interim pre uh, president and was elected in March. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'm going to get through this without choking up, so bear with me. Um, I worked with him for a long time, like everybody up here. He was a friend. Uh, he was a great mentor. He gave me great advice in my career outside Comic-Con as well. Um, he was uh, a good person. My name is Maya Gaines. Um, I've been with Comic-Con for 20 years, and I was lucky enough to meet John when I was very, very young, and uh, got to work with him the last six or seven years in the office before he passed. And uh, he was definitely somebody who I consider to be my professional mentor as well, so sort of a work dad, even though we were not that many years apart. Um, hi, I'm the other Mark. Um, I think I used that line once before. Uh, anyway, um, I, I was on the committee, uh, the board for 15 years, starting in 1979, and that was the year I met John. And um, we became really good friends. We shared a love of theater, a love of certain TV shows, a love of old movies at the old Ken Cinema. Uh, and our friendship survived my leaving the Comic-Con board. Uh, so that was really cool. And my name is Eddie Abraham, and uh, I've been uh, with the convention for 30 years, and um, started as a volunteer, uh, and that's when I got to know Sean really well. 
hired to work here in 2007, and uh, I feel kind of like Maya, who's, who's kind of my work dad as well. Uh, even though we weren't that far apart in age, he had a wisdom and caring, I think, for all of us uh, to guide us and to make sure we would uh, do the best job we could. Uh, and it was always uh, in the guise of doing the best job we could for you, uh, because he was so enamored with Comic Con and what it meant for everyone. And, uh, I know that he will be proud of all of us for wanting to continue making sure that this is a show for all of you as well. Um, why don't we, I'm going to kind of leave these as open questions because I don't, I'm not thinking straight at the moment, sorry. But why don't we just talk a little bit about um, what are some of the things that John kind of taught us or how did he influence us in how we think about Comic Con? There are two stories that uh, 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 I'm going to bring up. One is I remember working, I had, uh, it was years ago, and, and uh, we used to have press kits back when we used to have press kits, uh, and had to advertise the, the convention. And we had some temps, some assistants were helping out, and they just weren't doing the press kits to my liking. And so I kind of took over and was, was doing all this. And John, and this is John's wisdom. John wasn't a yeller. John wasn't a, John was a logical person. And he came in, and, and as John is wont to do, he kind of stood there for a while and watched me putting stickers on folders. And he said, you know, you have staff for that. And I said, I know, but they're not doing it right as all. But you have a lot of stuff to do. Don't you think your time would best be spent doing that? And if the stickers are a little crooked, they're a little crooked. And I thought, wow, you know, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think that. The other story, I, and, and, and since then, uh, if, if there's something to be done, and and somebody isn't doing it to, to the letter that it should be done, I will ask them to please you know, do it right because I don't have the time to do it. If, you know, I don't mean to be mean, but if you can't do it, then we have a problem here. And you know what? It always perks people up and they do it right. That's wisdom from John. The second thing, um, late, late last year, um, gosh, maybe it was the year before, I don't remember now, but uh, I had to do some stuff on behalf of Comic Con that was stuff that was to protect stuff that we had invested a great deal of time, effort, and money into. And what I had to do ended up being a very difficult thing, probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. And um, it was great to have the support. Sorry. Um, it, so what ended up happening was there was a time when I was like, oh my god, you know, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? And then he came through the door, and I was like, huh. He was so strong. And um, somebody who didn't laugh a lot, but boy, when he did, right? And he had a great sense of humor. But I don't know if you guys have seen John. I mean, you see these pictures of him. And he didn't always smile, but he really did. He did have a great sense of humor and a very loud laugh. And if you got to experience that, that was a very cool thing. So in the midst of this difficult thing that I didn't think I could finish, having him there and his support made it very easy. Um, John taught me many, many things. Um, you know, you always learn so much from your partner in life, um, your soulmate, and one of the things that John taught me was authenticity. John was always John. John never tried to be anybody else for any reason. Um, he I always thought that John, John never wanted to be out in public, ever. He, he didn't want, you know, he would do con talk back, but he didn't want to be out and doing David's job. He wanted David to do David's job. And I would always be kind of, well, don't you want to, like, you know, give this statement in front to the, with the mayor? You don't want to do that? No. Oh, my God. Who would want to do that? And, like, a lot of people would want to do that. And he's like, no. And he always taught me from that example that, you have to go with what you actually want inside, not what you think other people want or you should want, but what you're comfortable with and who you are. And he was a guy who never wanted to be the guy standing out front and taking the credit and being the one who stood up there like this. 
he wanted to be the guy behind the scenes guiding everything and solving all the problems. And that's who he was, and he was exemplary at that. And I think that um, that taught me, find out what, what, who you are, really, and be that person. Don't try to be what you're not. And it, it really made a big difference in my life, along with so many other things he taught me. One of the things that John really showed over the years is the amount, immense amount of faith that he had in you, that if he tasked you to do something, that you could do it. And, and he was very practical, I, you know, Tim reminded me this morning, Tim Pontrelli, who's our, our convention center representative, um, there'd be times where we'd be loading loading the exhibit hall floor and things would go south on us. And, and he'd just stand there and he'd go, well, well, we'll do that better tomorrow. And he always had this very realistic approach, but he, he knew that maybe all you needed was a little push and you'd be able to accomplish whatever it was that he, he saw in you. Um, I remember when when he had me run for VP, I was like, oh, why, would I, why would you want me to be VP? And it, it turned out that that was something that I really enjoyed and, and did for almost 30 years really by his that. sign. And it was something I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I could accomplish. But he just, you wanted to, to make him proud of you. You really did. And this whole show has been a challenge for us. But our goal has been to make him proud of us, this show. And we hope we've done that. He had a way of cutting to what the important part was. Um, like we'd be talking about what we were going to do, because his background was in development, software development as well, and we'd be talking about doing something. And um, our, uh, our engineering approach is different a lot of times, but um, you know how sometimes you have somebody that you can, that you can work with, but you can disagree with really, really strong sometimes, but, and have really sometimes really, like, serious arguments about details on things, but know that you guys are friends and co-workers and respect each other enough to know that tomorrow there wasn't going to be a grudge, because, you know, there's not a lot of people like that in the world. There's people who you have you know, a trivial argument with, and five years later, they're still going to throw it back in your face. Um, but he could also really get to the middle of things, where I would say, okay, I want to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, and then if H happens, I have 16 plans off of H, I'm ready for this and this and this, and I'm going in and go, <laughs> what about this part? And he quite goes, this is the important part right here. We get that sorted out, the rest of it gets kind of defined by that. Let's worry about the one important part. And most of the time you kind of go like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, it's that thing. So we'll concentrate on that and then other time, and then everything will kind of work out. Um, John first started working in the Comic-Con office, was it six or seven years ago, Janet? In 2015? And full-time, I think it was 14. Oh, sorry, 2014, he came in full-time, and I remember I was a little nervous. <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm going to be working for the president of very long for us to immediately bond over making things better. John was always looking at processes and efficiency, and I'm definitely the same type of um, person looking at the efficiency of a process and how are we doing things, and, and John really was on board with that as well. Always looking at things and seeing how, you know, what's wrong with that. If you walk into a room and immediately point out ten things that were wrong or ten different things that he would do differently, and um, I really valued that sort of mentorship and and similar goal setting that we had together, but his calming influence on the organization and the staff, I think, is what really was amazing. He would come up and do these con talk backs, and sometimes they would last an hour, hour and a half, upwards of two hours, and he let everybody speak. He, let, he would listen to everybody's feedback, 
he would take notes, and he, sometimes you would think maybe he wasn't listening or not paying attention, but he would come back to the office, you know, very detailed notes, everything that people said, and say, okay, how are we going to fix this, and how are we going to make it better? And um, he was just a calm uh, island in the storm. I don't know. I'm sorry. I've got a loss for words. I think you're doing great. Um, I, I, have, I have two thoughts on this subject. Uh, but the first, I just want to uh, put into words what I think you're already getting the impression of, if, if you didn't know John. Um, he was a genuinely nice human being, and he was whip smart. Smart as yeah. smart, The smartest guy in the room. Um, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't hold that over you. He wouldn't act like it. Because uh, if you have to tell somebody you're smart, you're probably not. Do you know what I honestly, you know, I, I honestly think he thought people were as smart as him, no. which was amazing because you, he was the smartest person in the room, but he'd talk to you. Now, he would never talk down to you, and there were many a time when you're like, okay, you know, he was just so smart. So, so, so two, thank you, you are so right. Um, so, so two observations. Um, one is John was a problem solver, as you've already heard. I have one example from pretty early on in his tenure at the convention before he became president. In the early 1980s, after he ran the film program for a few years, um, he noticed that tech was becoming more and more important. I mean, just something as, as basic as, you know, making sure, you know, the, the, the equipment that you needed was there when the speaker needed it and that it worked. And so he started, he was the first I don't know what we call him, tech coordinator or whatever, uh, and he started that. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's really grown here, I'm sure. Um, uh, and then um, the, the, the other observation is John was living proof that you can get a lot done if you don't worry about who gets the credit. I wanted to add something about John being smart. He, he, I've been around smart people my whole life, and John is the smartest person I've ever met. And again, I don't think he, he knew it. I don't think he thought of it that way, but he did think of one thing. John, I think most of you probably don't know this, but John had ADD and was dyslexic. And he always basically thought that his brain ran at a different speed than everybody else's. That it was like a sports car and he always had to kind of rein it in a bit. So in that way, he thought he thought differently, not that he was smarter, but he thought differently than everyone else. And at the same time, with those things that people tend to think of as handicaps, but I don't think neurodiversity is necessarily a handicap, he still managed to do all of the things that he did, which is something that I really want to point out because I want people to understand in that world that you don't have to be neurotypical to do the sort of things that John did. I think it's really important to know that because um, it's not always easy to have those 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 abilities that John had. He was super generous. <clears throat> he would he would give anybody if someone needed something. He was incredibly generous. And then conversely, when he wanted something or he was going to do something, he would he wouldn't want to do it. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I saw him help somebody or do something for somebody very generously, and then when it came time to do something for yourself, going like, ah, I'm okay, I don't need it. Um, really incredibly generous man. He was also was concerned about you and how you were. Even in the midst of his a personal tragedy or crisis of his own, how you were doing was important to him as well. When um, Janet and John's uh, home caught on fire in the, in the, the fires in 2007, um, the night he found out, um, I was going through some, some rough times during that week, and he made time that evening to call to find out how I was, because that was important to him. Even though his whole world was on fire, he reached out cause, to make me feel like he cared, because everybody was important. And, and that's how this convention was for him. Every one of you was important to John. So, I want to take it in a little bit different direction. As we all know, everyone has their quirks, and they have their moments that 
uh, made you laugh. I'd like to have you guys talk about a moment where John made you laugh. I, I remember there were two actually when um, Con Talkback used to be, several of us would sit on stage and John said, you know what, I, I, can, I can do this. And so he did. He would sit on stage and uh, listen to what people were saying. And I remember the very first time I was in the audience and people were saying stuff and John was on his computer. I thought, oh my God, he's playing a video game. <laughs> uh, I, you know, he didn't want to run up to stage and say, you know, what are you doing? Uh, but of course, me being me and John being John, that's exactly what I did. Uh, I ran up and I said, you know, moved the microphone and said, John, what are you doing? People think you're playing video games. And this is so John. Why would they think that? <laughs> and I'm like, well, what are you doing, Saul? So, I'm taking notes. Well, oh. So when he said, I'm taking notes, people in the audience were like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, but, and afterwards he said, why would people think that I was playing a video game? John, I don't know. The second, the second story, if I can, is um, Janice Wright. John did not like the limelight. Uh, uh, John was uh, very, very generous and not taking the credit for some of the stuff so much. So we are, we are where we are right now, uh, financially stable, have a great... Uh, high, uh, structure and uh, are as uh, big, and both in terms of size and scope, uh, really doing large part to John. But he didn't like to be on the front end. And we do get awards, we get uh, stuff like that, and I'm typically the person who goes and makes a speech, you know, it's just part of the thing. And at one time we had a luncheon, and John said, hey, do you mind if I tag along? I was like, sure, you know, of course, I'd be happy to see you. So we go to this luncheon and we're sitting at the table and I think it may have been the tourism industry, I'm not sure, but there were some of the people that, that, that are in this room now uh, and we were sitting at this table and everything was going great and uh, it was a, a, an afternoon of a lot of awards, giving out awards, awards, awards. And uh, he leans over to me and says, do you mind if I accept the award and we have a comic con? And I was like, oh, sure, you know. Some people were accepting awards, they give a little speech, they exit, they step on stage, give a little speech exit. And so I pulled out my notes, which I always have notes, and I said, you know, do you want my notes? He said, no, I think I can wing it. I said, okay, that's no problem. So we sat there, we sat there, and then uh, you could hear it was the lead up to the Comic-Con Award, and the big Comic-Con logo comes up, and I said, do you want my notes? He said, no, I think it'll be okay. I said, okay, fine. So he's joined the recipient for the, whatever it happened to be, it was such a prestigious award, is, um, you know, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And, uh, you know, John got up and walked up the steps as everyone else had done, shook everybody's hand and accepted the award as everyone else had done, and walked to the podium and looked at the audience and kept walking to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody, we all looked, and at our table we were like, oh. <laughs> like the whole cartoon slow clap, and other people started clapping. And John, honest to goodness, John comes back, <coughs> takes the award, and says, don't ever let me do that again. <laughs> the, the kicker to the story is, I'd say about 60% of the rest of the recipients did exactly what John did. <laughs> I can't find a, I can't think of a single instance because he was... And this is something that would be surprising to many who know him, and maybe not to others who know him, but he was one of the silliest people I've ever met. But he was very privately silly. His sister's not talking about it. He was very privately silly. Um, he's, you know, everything from making up funny names for our dog to, um, you know, making up an entire backstory for our dog. And to, you know, it just he's an extremely silly person and very creatively silly. Um, I wish I could find more examples, but there's just too many. Um, he's, he, it, it was a delight for me to have that in my life. He definitely liked to play jokes on people. He loved yes. to play jokes. And this is normally con talk back, and there had been a, a, a running joke going um, between myself and, and, and Deb Wilson, who does our housing, um, that had to do with a dinner that we had had at the beginning of the show. And John was part of the leaving little notes about this this joke. 
And so at Con Talk back that year, you know, he was sitting up at the head. And I don't know if you guys realize, like, attend contact back, there's always the back, like, five rows. It's all staff and, and um, vendors and people who work with the show. And we take notes back there. And the last thing you want to hear is your name come up at Condoc back. Because instantly you search your mind. What did I do? Oh, no. <laughs> You're just sinking feeling. Um, he set up this elaborate joke with, with Deb um, where he had some, some poor person in the that came in and started um, to uh, reference his name and asked a question, so is Robin Donlin here? And I'm sitting in the back and, and just in a panic, like, oh, my God, what did I do? Because I honestly could not remember this person at all. It's like, who is this person? What did I do? And he goes, oh, and carried on with this joke, and John was up here, and you could just tell from his eyes that he was just like, ha, ha, ha got you but just the elaborate how much time and effort that must have taken to stage because he knew that was my greatest fear some of you have heard me tell this before but um, one of the things about three years ago when I came on full time is John and I shared some passions for a couple of different things computers, electronics, cars stereo equipment um and it was always funny to me, the conversations that you'd have with him, where sometimes you'd present him on something, I want to do the following thing, and it's going to you know, impact a bunch of stuff really important, and it's going to cost some money, and you'd go, yeah. And then you'd go like, I want to buy a pair of speakers, and you'd go like, well, what are you thinking? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I think I'm going to buy these. Well, have you listened to this, 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 and this? No, I was just reading some reviews and <laughs> you know, buying a pair of speakers is a very important decision. You know, and so we'd go back and forth and back and forth. But I finally bought a pair of speakers that he approved of, and um, they were wireless and they had Bluetooth on them, so that I could play some Bluetooth stuff with them if I wanted to. And um, we were in my office. I had just hooked them up and shown them to him, and we had played a piece of music that he liked. I believe it was Shahrazad, uh, which was a piece that he liked. And he's like, that meets his approval. And the piece was over, and we were sitting there talking in my office. When suddenly a um, soundtrack to a um, very grown-up sort of movie starts blaring out of the speakers. And uh, we both look at each other like, neither one of us is doing anything. He's like, what is that? I don't know. And it turns out that the Bluetooth on the speakers did not have any security on it. Anybody anywhere could connect to it for whatever reason. And, uh, and did. And did. And uh, he just thought that was hilarious. He just started busting up. He just he thought that was the funniest thing he'd seen. And uh, he's like, well, okay, future note, Bluetooth on speakers, bad idea. Um, my story isn't necessarily a funny one, but John had this very unique way of showing you how he cared. And he shows you how he cared by telling you what to buy. <laughs> yeah. Truly. Um, a few years ago, I bought a house, and immediately it was, you know, what size is your water heater? Do you have solar power? And it just drove me crazy. He'd come to my office every morning. I'd just sit down. I'd have my coffee. And it would walk on, asking me questions about my water heater. And because uh, I had told him at one point, you know, I was showering, water had gone cold, I didn't have enough water, heat, whatever. The next day he comes in, and he has, like, this spreadsheet created of how many gallons per minute need to be heated for me to take an 11 minute shower. I mean, it was just incredible. And, you know, at the time, I'm like, oh my gosh, just leave me alone about the stupid water heater. But it came from a place of he really wanted you to be happy. And if he knew a way to fix whatever your problem was to make you happy, he was going to do it. Um, so it was like the speaker thing, if you were going to buy something, he was a huge audiophile, so if you were going to buy anything that was sound related, you had to go switch on. Cars as well. He was very disappointed. When anything I tech. Anything tech. tech. He was very disappointed when I bought a Kia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he just, that's how he showed you that he cared, that he would come in and, and try to solve all of your problems and tell you what to do. You know, that sounds about right. Um, John, uh, John offered once to go out and like negotiate buying a car for me. He just liked that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I can't think of a, 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 a you know, single story, but 
but in, in listening to what, what my fellow panelists have said, um, uh, we did like to, some of us did like to tease John about being older spiritually than he was chronologically, like he was born at about the age 50. <laughs> Uh, so, so it really rang true to me when a couple of you talked about him being your work dad, even though he really wasn't that much older than you chronologically. I have to tell you, it's, you know, I don't know how many of you have um, lost parents and all that, but one of the great things about having parents is, you know, they know everything, right? <laughs> Clearly parents don't know everything, but when you grow up, they just know everything. And you know when the world is a little scary or bad? You have their parents that you can, if you have to, you can run to and maybe they'll make it all better. For those of us that don't have parents anymore, you're kind of on your own. And, and Mark, I think you really hit the nail on the head. John was an old soul. And it was great when you knew that you had John in your corner because he was a champion for you. And he really cared about you. The thing about uh, Maya talking about him coming into your office and, and you know, he would sometimes start a sentence in the middle of a paragraph. You know, it's like, so you don't like your car, and you still have it, and you've had it for the past six months. And, you know, have you looked at the, have you talked to, you know, and, and there were times when you're trying to work, and you're like, I can't get my work done, but I'm not, I'm going to tell the president of the company to leave my office. <laughs> but I will tell you right now, I would give anything to have that again. And for all of those of you, as somebody had said that people show their affection and their care in different ways, is very true. Think about that with your friends that you love, that may love you. They, they may communicate in a very different way, accept it and cherish and enjoy it. So I'm just gonna correct David on one point. Parents do know everything, because my daughter's in Oh, that's right. <laughs> Includes Mark. Uh, there was a time where the three of us decided we were going to build computers together. Oh yeah. And I remember, uh, you know, we were all kind of discussing what we were going to buy. And I remember John was really wanting to know exactly what parts and what case and what things we were going to get. By the way, he's that computer is the it's still, that computer still. He's still that computer still, still runs. It's still in their house. Yeah, it's still happening. So he really wanted to know everything. So I had to tell John every single piece from the memory to the video card, all of that. So I remember when we got, I think it was at John's house we actually built them. And uh, so when we got there, John had this paper and spreadsheet out that was like how to install everything, what drivers we needed for it. Like he researched every piece of hardware to make sure that the first time we turned that computer on, it was going to work. And uh, guess what? Each one of those computers worked the first time we turned them on. And uh, since we brought up cars, I will uh, bring up the time that I, I bought a car without really saying anything much about it. And uh, oh. <laughs> John and I, I was giving John a ride, so we were walking out and he was mentioning me, oh, did you know that this year they have so many cars that now the license plate have to start with eight? And he looked at the license plate of my car and he's all, that's an eight? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he's all, you bought a new car, mom. Yeah. And he's all, when did we talk about this? <laughs> And he was like, let's, let's, let's sit down and talk about this before we all are to go. To make sure that I got the right car for me. I when, literally feel like I can't buy anything anymore because yeah. <laughs> it's not there to tell us what to buy. To make sure it's okay. I remember when he was, he, he had this BMW that he drove for, what was it, 20 years? A million years. It was a 2001. He drove that car until I believe it actually fell apart. I mean, it was really, really old. And uh, he had been talking, and he finally goes, okay, I'm going to buy myself a new car. Cool. And uh, we talked for a while, he decided on the car that he wanted, and he decided on the model that he wanted, and of course, being frugal, he wasn't going to buy a new one, he wanted a used one. And uh, so every morning for three months, you know, he'd come in the morning and goes, okay, well, here are the car sites that I'm looking at, and I've looked at these four models this morning, uh, and I really like this one. 
and he'd show me all the pictures on it and all the things. I go, that looks really great. That's really great. What do you think of the price? The price is a good price. I really like the price. Okay, great. Well, then you should go buy it because it's the car you want and it's got the things you want on it. And it looks like your quest is over. You should go get that car. Mm. No. <laughs> And, and, and this went on for quite a while until he finally found the one that he bought. We come in one day and he comes and he goes, I bought a car. <coughs> Great. You bought a car. It's downstairs. You want to go see it? Yes. Let's go downstairs and see it. So we go downstairs and look at this beautiful new car that he just bought. And the first words out of his mouth were, I hate the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and for the next two weeks we talked about what wheels he was going to get to replace the wheels on it because the wheels were in, in fact, I remember we were in my office, and John, you're right, he'd gone up there where he really wanted to buy this car. He was very good, again, about helping other people out, giving stuff, being giving. But when it came to him, it was, he just, it just didn't make sense to him. And I remember, again, spending a lot of time in the office. I had work to do. And uh, with John and Mark and I, and Mark and I were like, you want the car? You found the car you want. It's a good price. Why don't you just buy it? You had this other car forever, and it looks like you've had it forever. And and uh, I said, Is it Janet? Does she know that has a car? And he says, No, actually, she said I should be more like Mark, who, for if you don't know Mark, is a little impulsive sometimes. Should be more like Mark and should buy the car. And I'm like, Well, what's the deal? <laughs> I had the same conversations with John. <laughs> and I will bring up that John uh, also talked to me about solar power and water heaters and all of that. And he heard that we had a house as well. So he, he clearly did care about all of us. And, and, and even when it came to... And by the way, he didn't like water heaters. He didn't like water heaters. He wanted tankless water heaters. He needed a tankless water heater because water heaters were passe. Tankless water heaters were the way to go. And I don't want to talk about cars the whole time, but this story actually just shows you how much John loved Janet. I mean, his love for Janet was, was something that I admire every day. And uh, he, Janet had got a new car, a very nice car. And um, at the time, John would come to my office every morning and tell me about Janet's car and how great it was. And I have to get the same car. I have to get that car. And I said, John, you know, it's a little bit out of my price range. I know the Lord. He's like, no, no, you got to drive this car. It's so great. It's so great. And then he starts talking about getting his own car. I said, well, John, you love this car that Janet has. Why don't you get your own? Oh, no. That's Janet's car. I can't have the same car as Janet has. She says I can't have the same car as her. So even though he loved this car so much, he wouldn't buy it for himself because it was Janet's car. That was special just for her. I told him just to get another one. His office was practically barren forever. Oh, yes. Totally. yes. I mean, it had, like, I, I'm not joking. It's like white walls barren. And, and, like, cardboard boxes. No, no. I mean, if you if you walked into our offices, I mean, it looks like you would imagine it would look like. I mean, everybody's offices are filled with knickknacks and toys and pops and figures and this artwork. and that artwork. I mean, it's, it's it close your eyes, imagine it. You're exactly right. Uh, John's office had nothing in it. At a table, conference table, his desk, some chairs, a couple bags. So Janet started telling him, you need to, because there was stuff that he liked. There was a lot of things he really liked. And she's like, you need to put some stuff in your office. And he's like, uh. And she goes, look, if you don't put some stuff in your office, we're going to. <laughs> so he came, so he went away one weekend, and he, while he was gone, we filled his whole office with My Little Pony stuff. <laughs> Figures and like little party banners and the whole night. Wall, 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 yeah. Doctor Hooves. Yeah, Doctor Hooves. Yeah. And then he was like, Yeah, okay. And so then he started bringing in the posters from the movie he likes, the movies he liked. And he put up a picture of his dog in one wall. And he started putting things in his office after that point. Like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll put my things in. Don't do that to me again. <laughs> so there's there's one family member who wouldn't be able to come to this panel. But if you wouldn't mind speaking a little bit about his relationship with Parker. As you can oh, see yeah. him in the picture. Parker. So Parker's our, um, our dog, and he's a rescue dog from Takati, Mexico. He's a street dog. 
and had lots of problems when we got him, physical problems, and he's, he's a little, um, got a little anxiety issues, but he really fit right into our family because we're kind of all a motley crew. And um, he is wonderful, and John and Parker bonded instantly. And you can see from that picture, and there's, there's some other, I think there's another one on the one other on side. side. It's yeah. like my favorite. I took that picture of them. John just, um, John loved Parker so much, and Parker loved John so much. And I think walking with Parker, taking these long walks with Parker is something, a way for John to kind of, you know, chill out and get some relaxation. And they were just constant companions. And Parker really misses John, really miss John. And um, it's, it was just, it, when with three of us, this is getting, um, the three of us together, we're a family. We're really a family. And I love my dog. I love my husband. And um, it's just hard to talk about, but he's a good boy, Parker. Um, he's a good boy. <laughs> and John. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, Parker the Barker. Parker the Barker. Parker. Um, but yeah, Parker, um, Parker's a good boy. Um, he has a backstory. We had we decided John decided to make him a backstory that he's really on the run from the Mexican cartel. He was a, he was a hit dog. Um, he was a hit dog, El Barco. And uh, if you hear him bark, it's too late. And uh, so he's he's got a secret identity, and he's hanging out with us uh, to, to avoid the Mexican cartels. So that's that's his backstory. Um, he doesn't entirely act like that, but you can believe it occasionally. Um, but yeah, he's he's that's our dog. So um, we're getting close, but I wanted to give us an opportunity to maybe tell uh, a story or something that was kind of an essential John moment. And I'll go ahead and start so you guys have a little bit of time to think about it. Um, so when I first started uh, in programming, there was, uh, back in 2007, there was a convention called CES that happened in Las Vegas. And I happened to be there for a wedding at the same time that CES was going. And John asked if I could uh, take some time to meet him over at CES because he wanted to look at technology and see what things we could potentially do for the show. Secretly, though, he really wanted to go because he wanted to listen to lots and lots of speakers. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we did our thing going to all the different booths. And then John had this whole thing planned out for going to hear all of the audio equipment and the speakers and there's a, for those of you that aren't familiar, I guess what they do is they take all of these suites in Las Vegas and they clear everything out and have like perfect placement of the chairs and they have these speakers that are laid out so you can like just sit and listen to the music and experience it and John was really, really excited because he really wanted me to get some speakers and uh, so we went and we sat and we started listening to some and John's like, yeah, those are only like, you know, four grand a piece. What do you think? I'm like, mm, I, don't, I don't think. He's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try to figure something else out. And uh, I remember we went into this one room, and we sat. And um, it, was, it was like a magical moment, I think, for both of us, because I just remember the pure, like, joy that John was experiencing listening to these speakers and the music coming out of them and... and we literally sat in that space. Normally we'd spend a minute or two listening, but for that one in particular, I think we just sat there for 20 minutes. And I remember looking at John once in a while, his eyes closed, and you could just tell that his mind was able to be reined in and he was just able to experience that music and that joy. And so we both agreed, by God, this, these were the best speakers we have ever heard. So John was like, let's find out how much. And uh, so we went to find out how much those speakers were. And I think even both of us agreed that neither of our wives are going to let us get them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think they were like $20,000. <laughs> but we still really uh, love that moment. And I love that moment with John because it was a moment where we both just were able to just sit and enjoy what was around us and not really have to think about it. I remember, um, again, it was, we were working on this project that was very, very difficult, and I was just so consumed by it, and we all were. And it was right about that time that um, we heard there may be some, some health issues. And for the first time in my entire association with Comic-Con, uh, 
they creeped in my mind. Oh, what happens if he's not going to be here? And I can't remember another time that I was so scared. And again, we're very lucky because he left a great foundation. He left a great legacy. He was so meticulous about everything that um, we're all better for it. But, uh, you know, it's we're a lot poorer for him not being here. Come back to me. I'll come back to you. So one of the things that we've been doing for years and years and years, because at the con, you, you might walk a little bit if you're running this show. <laughs> Just a little bit. And John, who could be competitive, he always wanted to have a contest. So back in the days where, you know, cell phones were new and, oh, my God, there's a, there's a pedometer app on your phone. Before they were called apps, it was a program. Um, we used to all synchronize our synchronize our steps. We'd all meet in the on-site office, and we'd all zero it out so that nobody was cheating. We'd all zero it out at the same time. And at the end of the show, we'd all compare who had the most steps. And, of course, we all knew, you know, what was the point of that? He was going to have the most steps because John walked everywhere. If you spent time at, sh- at the show with John, you were walking. You weren't standing. You weren't sitting. You were walking. You were walking to the back. You were walking to the Marriott. You were walking to the Hyatt. You were walking somewhere. Um, so it became kind of the, the, the joke contest because you always knew he would win. So one of the things I found this year is I really didn't count my steps this time because yeah. Yeah. I, there was I knew he would win. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just gonna miss some of the things he used to say. Uh, join the circle of concern. Circle of concern. <clears throat> There's another thing he used to say all the time that I can't say here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was his universal answer whenever anything seemed <laughs> ridiculous. Um, you know, when something would come up and, like, everybody would just go, well, that's ridiculous, and he'd have an answer for that, which, again, is something I can't say here and share out loud. And he had a way of saying it, and we would laugh, and it was a running joke for 15 years, but uh, I'm going to miss not hearing that. Um, <clears throat> I think this convention was amazing as our safety. I think it had, there was a lot of energy, lots of excitement. Probably, like, in my opinion, one of my favorite uh, Comic Cons to date. But he, his absence was definitely felt. Um, we all miss him very much. And whenever I'm confronted with a challenge at Comic Con, either pre-show or on-site, you know, I kind of do a little WWJD. What would John do? I ask myself that before I decide where I'm going to move forward from that. And you know, John was just so supportive. Right. John was just so supportive of all of his employees, even when you were doing something that he thought was stupid. Um, I think for, it took me three to four years to convince John to do the badge boxes that you guys did for the badges because he just didn't get them. He didn't understand why you, what was the point. Just send out the badge. You don't need all this little fancy packaging. It costs money. Um, and he just was not on board with it. But, you know, he let me do that. And he let me... Uh, bring something that I was excited about to Comic Con. You know, first it was a box, and then we added a pin. And this year we had four pins, so I, I imagine John thinking about me right now. And going, oh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't remember the original question that started this, this sequence, and that's okay, because what I wanted to share with you guys is. Um, not what I wanted to share. Um, (laughs) What I wanted to share was um, um, in the 1998 we adopted our first child and um, John and Janet immediately stepped up and became Uncle John and Aunt Janet. And that was just remarkable. I mean, their family. Sorry.
the thing that I'd like to say, John, you're hearing a lot about what an incredible friend John was, and he was. I want to say something a little different. I want to say what an incredible friend these people are on this panel, and some of the amazing people out in the audience also. Um, every single person here was with me, um, and John, through his illness, and after his illness, and today, and every day. And I would not have gotten through this, and John, they were there when John needed him, and they're my family. And you guys out there, certain of you out there know also that you're also his family, and um, this place is, and this people are so special. They are so special. And there's nothing like, like these people in the world. I just want to say that. Nothing like this. Uh, so, I need just uh, do a little bit of administrative stuff here. I do want to let all of you know that Common Talk Back will be returning. Uh, again, this was just for this year to, to celebrate John. And then I'd like to let Robin or Ken speak about what's up here and things for the audience. So for the memorial and for the show, we had some items made to, for memorializing John. There are some stones that have been engraved with his name and, and, and dates. There's a pin that you might have seen around some of the landers that people are wearing. And then Janet had another button made. There are some magnets. Um, we brought them here to share them with you. So as, as you leave the room, please feel free to take, take one of that as whatever you would like from the table. It's they're, they're here to share with you. Because we know that he was special to you too. As programming director, I have to say, please don't rush. Please take one to start. And then <laughs> 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 